About uh, 27 years ago, uh, I was celebrating Mass in uh, St. Peter and Paul in Wilmington at 6 a.m. Oh my God, what an hour. But there I was. Now, there was a gentleman there that proved to be a very dramatic part of the liturgy. He had been using drugs by his own confession. Um, he came to several of our Bible group meetings, and, uh, and he told us all in, that he was struggling with drugs on one of those evenings, and, and um, that was all right. Everybody accepted him. So he came to Mass that day, and interestingly, I had switched with my pastor at that time, who was uh, um, in his late 60s, and thank God, because of what happened to me, if it had happened to him, I, I don't know uh, how he would have gotten through it. But I noticed the man when I came in, the sacristan said, Father, he's lying down in front, on the floor in front of the gates. We had railing gates, you know, and just the open gates. So I went down to him and I said, because, you know, somebody on drugs, it isn't always good to get in their face. I said, you know... I don't mind if you're lying down, but, but you should move over about five feet because I don't want people to trip on you or hurt you when they come up for communion. He said, no, 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 Father, that's okay. So he got up and walked back about three quarters of the way back in the church. Long, long, narrow, but long church. So we went on with Mass. And when I got to uh, the, 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 just before the, um, the Our Father, I raised the host in the cup and I sang through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, I saw him change um, drastically. He went from this to, and I thought, oh, okay. And he started down the aisle at an incredible pace, walking down toward me, and I went on because I didn't know where this was going, but I just assumed it was going to be okay. He walked up into the sanctuary, came around. Well, this put a whole bunch of people in motion. The sacristan, little Vietnamese man who spoke hardly any English, started to come up. Sister Jo, uh, uh, who was a hefty woman, uh, and someone else from I don't know where. And he came around the altar, right up to me now, and he said, Do you know who I am? And I said, Well, I think I do. He says, No, you don't. I'm the king of the Jews. He, he said, I'm Jesus Christ. And he, and he slugged me in the face. Well, I put my hand up and I, you know, knocked his hand off a little. He just clipped me here. It was a good one, but he didn't knock me out or anything. And meanwhile, the sacristan tackled him on the floor and Sister Joe sat on him until the police came and took him away. All right, that was his proclamation. I'm Jesus Christ. Really? I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. You think that was smart? I don't know. I, I don't think Jesus Christ would come and slug somebody in the face in the middle of the Eucharist. Now, what made me know that? I just think it didn't fit. That's not the behavior of Jesus Christ. But we listen in the first reading today from the Book of Wisdom, which very much, I, I, this I had forgotten, but this book was written only maybe 50 years before Jesus, but it connects to a long tradition, especially a lot of the Isaiah passages about the just one, the son of man, the son of God. And um, it's speaking of his role, that he would bring justice and peace, but never through violence. And the list of things that, he, that they claimed he was doing seems rather good to me, and yet they hate him for it. Does it make sense to hate someone for doing just and good things? Many times when someone is very spiritually um, 
uh, alert or alive. They almost seem innocent and gentle. They speak uh, without any guile. They just are spiritually very, very present. Many times people don't like people like that. They find them a threat. So they criticize. Oh, they're phonies. Look, they're hypocrites. And all they do is deride them. Um, and yet the person seems to be a very beautiful presence of the Spirit in their midst. <clears throat> One of the things that strikes me about Jesus and the authenticity of Jesus is how real he was in all that he did and said regarding compassion and love and forgiveness and his constant breaking of the law on the Sabbath because of compassion and love. It was, technically speaking, a breaking of the law, and yet he didn't just do it, he defended it, and he made it quite clear he would always do that. He would always break the law if it came down to a question of the law or love. In fact, he would say the highest law is the law of love. And so we hear in these scriptures someone who claims to be the Son of God. This one, I believe, because of all that he said and did. But as I said yesterday, and this is the third day in a row where we have these readings where he focuses on his relationship to the Father and doing what the Father wills. You know, you and I are called, again, into an adoptive relationship of sonship and daughtership with God. We're not just people who follow the Lord, we are that. We're not just disciples, we're clearly that. That's what baptism means. But baptism also means that we have been drawn into a relationship. Paul tells us we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Until we take that seriously enough that we could stand up at the community and say, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. How blasphemous. No, it is not. It is taking seriously our call through baptism to understand that God in his love and grace has drawn us in and created a relationship. So therefore, everything that we do must echo and mirror and synchronize and be integrative of God's love in our lives. That's our call. That's who we are. Anything less, anything less than that is not worthy of us. Now the truth is too, Quite simply, we're sinners. And every single day, you and I will sin, no doubt. Big ones and little ones. Every single day, I'd count on it. I'd count on it. We may not be very overt about it. We might be uh, sinners who, who cover it and mask it very well. We may have a lot of disgust for people around us, but always have a happy face. Oh, hello, good morning. But our heart is far from it. So, so we are not here to judge each other, but we're sinners. But as sinners, we're not called to be perfect people and root all sin of our out of our lives. It'll never happen. But we are called to recognize that when we recognize our sinfulness as true sons and daughters of God, we should open our heart to his love. We should ask him to come into us, even in our sinfulness, right at that moment, and we should trust that he will lead us forward and out of that into a place of grace if we are willing to open our hearts. So that the words that we hear so often through Lent, 
if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. That's all we're expected to do, not harden our hearts. But keep them open so that the love and grace and the constant calling of God to each of us to be his true sons and daughters will become realized. That young gentleman that slugged me in the face in the middle of the mass, he did not exhibit, he did not exhibit true sonship in God. But you know, he was Latino, and I figured, oh God, a, a Latino slugging a priest in the face in the middle of Mass is not going to go well, down well in his head when he comes to the realization. Now, he found himself in jail, so I wrote him a letter. Um, I felt like the Pope like this when I did this. I wrote him a letter to say, you know, don't worry. You know, I forgive you. Uh, I just hope that you're better. Because, because I really knew that guilt could play a huge thing in his spiritual journey. I didn't want that. So one day, I happened to be driving around the rim there of the harbor in Wilmington, and I came to a signal, and I happened to look over in the next car, and there he was in the car by himself. And I gasped, and he said, Father, it's you. Father, can I come over and talk to you? I'm so sorry. Can I? I said, sure. So um, I drove home, and here he arrived. And he came to my office, and he apologized, and and he said he had been using drugs, and he still had the remnants of drugs in him, and I knew that because he said, Father, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, you know, I, I've, I had been hearing a lot of voices at that time, and in, in fact, I'm hearing them now, and I said, don't listen to them. <laughs> because the voices were not of God. They weren't. They were of drugs. There's lots of voices out there. Drugs is one. Fear, anger, resentment, jealousy, blah, blah, blah. You know them all. The one voice that should be compelling is the one that keeps calling us, you're my son, you're my daughter. And when we hear that voice, it, it, it's pretty unmistakable. We know what it means to be a true son and daughter of God. It means to look pretty much like Jesus. That's our call, and that's our invitation, and that's our fulfillment. Let us stand and lift up our prayers to God.